Hello, welcome back to the Bloody Bizarre Podcast. My name's Emma. I, I'm Sarah. I nearly forgot what it was called then for a second. <laughs> this is your one job. No, it's not. I know. <laughs> uh, thanks to our new followers. Thank you to the people who have DM'd me with different suggestions and things that they're liking about the podcast. It's really nice. Like, no negative feedback. Yeah. Well, I, like, I, I know th- that it's there, but I know that, <laughs> like, it's nice that nobody is sending it. It's but, voicing it. They're yeah. just keeping it within their head. If you don't have anything nice to say, yeah. I think they know that you're fragile I'm not though. I like. I'm. I'm happy to hear it. I. I would like to hear suggestions of how we can like do things better. They'd be like, just be more interesting. How do you? How do you improve on that? I would say how. Okay. Well, that's hurtful, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Um, First of all, get fucked. I'd have to take over the account. Yeah. (laughs) I quit. I'm not doing Instagram anymore. Um, Yeah, I don't think there's anything else to cover off the top. Today I am covering the Frankston serial killer. Okay. Do you know much about this one? No. Is there a Frankston monster or something like that? Uh, Don't know. Okay. But this one's actually like quite high profile and was like a big deal at the time. I'll go through my sources. Wikipedia, of course. I think, yeah. I'll always start with that. Forensic Investigators episode, Paul Denyer, Frankston Serial Killer. Paul Denyer, mm, that name rings a bell. Okay. I'm not surprised. Okay. There's been a lot of media, media coverage. Unless I'm thinking of Grant Denyer, who's a, a <laughs> yes. newscaster yeah. in, in Australia. No, no relation. <laughs> um, an article by The Age by Kieran Rooney and Brody Carmody. And um, special mention to this last source that i'm using there's a podcast series it's by case file but it's like case file presents oh yeah and it's case file presents the frankston murders it is incredibly in-depth like case there file are, is there's a reason why it's like well, such a famous podcast there's i think about 12 episodes i haven't even got to the end of it yeah um okay but there's like 12 episodes and each episode is over an hour long and yeah. it's just about just this one okay. thing oh so, uh, i probably won't listen but if you if you want more info on this, which yeah, you likely you, will after yeah. Sarah's covering. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in 1993, women in the Frankston area of Melbourne, about 40 Ks out of the CBD, were terrorized oh. by a disgusting cretin called Paul Denyer, who was later dubbed the Frankston serial killer after he murdered three women. Today I'm going to tell you about Paul Denyer and some of his victims. Trigger warning right off the bat. This one is quite gory in some places. There's some animal cruelty and some of the details are quite upsetting. So if you don't want to hear that kind of thing, absolutely skip through this episode. There'll be a less heavy one coming next week. Yours is less heavy. Absolutely. So is my next one. My next one is another cryptid. So you can't get enough of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm aware that our last one was pretty heavy too. So. Oh yeah. Kathy. Yeah. Sorry about it. Um, Again, I think people listened for that. Yeah. And to be honest, this one, the reason that I wanted to cover this one is because it's very timely because Paul Denyer was up for parole this year in 2023. The government, 
I don't, I'm going to get into it at the end, but the government have introduced new laws to make sure that people like him do not ever get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to talk about this one to sort of refresh people's memories of why somebody like this should never, ever yeah. be released. It's like, what's his face? Oh yeah, him. Yeah, I think old I, mate. I think the listeners know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Fucking what's his face? Um, any kind of context would be great. The man that I spoke about a little while back, and he had an ugly face. Oh, uh, Len- Lenny. Yes, Fraser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> you know, because Lenny Fraser, the photo that I used of him for the Instagram, every time I open the Instagram, his fucking face is there. And it's I'm like, so ugly. It's yeah. And I'm just like waiting for it to like drop down far enough that yeah. I don't have to see it every time. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. Yeah. So back to this grot. Paul Charles Daniel was born in Campbelltown in New South Wales in 1972 to parents Anthony and Maureen. In 1981, the family relocated to Melbourne for his dad's work, and apparently this is where some of Paul's issues started to become apparent because he had a really hard time fitting in in this new town. <laughs> yeah, Poor baby boy. But, I know. Yeah. I don't know if he had issues before then, but it became apparent uh, do you know what age he was when they moved Nah, yeah. it's probably in the podcast i was that. gonna say <laughs> um so this had a bit of a snowball effect it impacted his academic performance and then his self-esteem suffered as well and to exacerbate this further he gained a lot of weight in his teen years which further impacted his self-confidence so apparently he was pretty um he had no self-esteem okay join the club <laughs> When Paul was just 11, he started displaying cruelty to animals. Pig. Apparently he slit the throat of their family cat and then hung the cat from a tree. Wow. So pretty extreme. Yeah. By 13, Paul had had his first run-in with the law after stealing a car. And by 15, he'd already escalated to attacking people after he assaulted another kid at school. And he's since said that he had wanted to kill from about the age of 14 or 15. Well, he did kill. He killed the cat and probably countless other animals. So, yeah. yeah. Things didn't start looking any more positive after Paul left school. He couldn't hold down a job and was fired from something like seven or eight different jobs. Um, at one of his jobs, his co-workers recall him making knives during work time. Hmm. Okay. When I go camping with my friends, I do often whittle, whittle but I whittle Whitt- knives. Whittling is different. Okay. It's a little different. <laughs> When Paul was 20, his crimes escalated considerably and he began stalking women in the Frankston area where he lived. I'm going to mention a couple of incidents. It's, it's, there's so many things that he did and there's so many women who were like affected by little things that he did. He Mm. was just like a little like fucking menace in the area, but it was stuff that a lot of the time didn't get reported until afterwards when people were like, Hey, that's the creep that came up to me at the train station. And that's the, so there's a lot of stories like that. I'm not going to share all of them. Um, but I am just going to mention a weird thing that he did twice. So he had a job as like a trolley boy at a shop in Frankston or whatever. So one day there was a woman with her two young kids walking into the shop and he... Hang on. You might want to explain what a trolley boy is to our American listeners. They not have trolley boys? 
well, they call them shopping carts for a beginning. I suppose they're not trolley boys. Like you can be a trolley person. <laughs> okay, they're just it's people that like gather up the shopping yeah, carts. Yeah, if, if um, lazy people don't put their trolleys back, then they go around and collect all the Again, trolleys. sorry, you're probably alienating people with that comment. I'm sorry, but you can take two seconds to put your trolley back. Ooh, just wait for the wave of <laughs> hate. <them>. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, so he was he would go around and collect the trolleys and, and take them back. I think he worked in the store as well, but that mm-hmm. was one of his things. It sounds like his co-workers did not like him. Yep. So um, I think that he, that was they probably... They were like, go and collect the trolleys. Exactly. They were like, weirdo. fuck off, Paul. Go, yeah. yeah, go outside. So this woman with her two young kids and he rammed her with a trolley and one of the kids remembers this incident. I think she was like five or six. And she said basically like he had this look of absolute hatred on his face, like super weird. And then he did it again to a pregnant woman with a baby in the trolley and the trolley flipped over and the baby fell out and the baby and the mom had to go to hospital and he got fired after that incident. (laughs) But like, what the fuck? Yeah. So that hatred and that anger, that was their... That early. was present early. Yeah. In February of 1993, Paul started stalking a woman called Donna Vaines. Donna received threatening phone calls, which alerted her to the fact that someone might be watching her and she might be in danger. Now, I believe that Paul lived in the same block of units as Donna's sister. Okay. And so, and he was quite friendly with Donna's sister. Like he had gone there for a coffee and stuff like Mm. that before. I think I might be mixing it because he, he stalked and freaked out a few women in the area. So I've heard like a few different stories about him stalking and freaking out different women. So it would be like if your neighbor from down the road that you sometimes hang out with started stalking me. Yeah. 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 I I believe that's the case. Um, It could be, I could be conflating two different stories there, but anyway, So Donna um, had a young baby and she also had a boyfriend who he worked his normal day job. And then at nighttime, he used to deliver pizzas just to make a bit of extra money. Mm -hmm. So after she got this phone call, she didn't want to be alone in her apartment. And she also, her mum talked on this podcast that I listened to and said that she just used to get bored quite easily. So Mm. she often didn't like to be alone anyway. Okay, Um, Sounds like she was maybe a bit of an extrovert. So a lot of the time when the boyfriend would go deliver the pizzas she'd tag along with him on this particular yeah yeah it is nice Mm. (laughs) on this particular night the boyfriend was going to deliver pizzas and she was like I'm just going to give the baby a bath and we'll go to bed. Like I, I can't, I can't be bothered coming. And he was like, are you sure you're going to get bored? Da, da, da. <laughs> she was like, no, 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 you go. So he left. Then he came back a couple of hours later. Um, I believe he was just in the area and was like, are you bored yet? Do you want to come? Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> so she came and that decision would save her life because when she returned roughly an hour later when they returned so mm-hmm. the boyfriend all of them they came across a scene straight out of a horror movie like some of the stuff in this if you, you're watching this horror movie you'd even be a bit like that's a bit over the top like mm-hmm. that's always the case with these stories yeah um they spoke to a, a criminal profiler in one of the things i listened to and um he was basically saying somebody like this their whole thing is creating fear they've got mm. that hatred and anger and they just want to create fear and mm. so that's why they go so over the top with some of this stuff so 
when the boyfriend first opened the door, the first thing he saw was one of the cats dead um, and like gutted. So he told Donna to don't come in. But all three of the cats had been killed. There was an adult cat and two kittens. The first, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get into it a little bit. If you don't want to hear this, like, skip it. I don't want to hear it. Well, I'm sorry. You you have to. (laughs) Have a drink of your wine. Yeah. Mama's juice. (laughs) The first one had had its intestines pulled out and strewn across the floor and its eyeballs removed. Pornographic image had been placed on top of the cat's body and its blood had been used to write, Donna, you're dead. The other two had had their throats cut and were floating in the bathtub from when she'd bathed the baby earlier that night. A weird juxtaposition of having a, a, a human pornographic photo on top of a dead cat. There was pornographic photos all over the house, including in the baby's cot. A freak. Yeah. And some of the images had been slashed, like they'd had knife slashes through them. So there's definitely a sexual element with him. Well... It's interesting. We'll get into it a bit later. Okay. It's definitely a, a thing about women. Yeah, He's yeah, got yeah, a yeah. real chip on his shoulder and about women. And it seems women. like mothers too, unless there's other... Right? Yeah. Okay, so they didn't mention that, but uh, there's a bit of a pattern. Like... De- definitely. That's the first thing I thought when you said, and the second lady you hit with the with the was, thing, pregnant was pregnant and had a baby, yeah. and yeah. then she's just had a baby, and one yeah. of his other victims had a 12-day-old baby, but it yeah. was random, so he didn't know she had a baby. Or did he? If he's a stalker? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I have my... Anyway, um, the furniture had also been stabbed and slashed. Following this, Donna stopped staying at her apartment and moved in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good call, Donna. Yeah. And there was another woman who, not to this extent, but had had her house broken into and items of furniture slashed, Mm. um, clothing slashed, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So that might have been Paul's, um, that might have been his neighbor. Okay. Regardless, he did this to a couple of women. Yeah, right, yeah. Donna's mum basically said that she never got over. So Donna, unfortunately, has passed away now, but her mum said that she never got over this incident. Mm. She was, it was like PTSD. Like she yeah. she couldn't even go to the bathroom in her own house by mm. herself because she was so scared. So he didn't murder this woman, but he fucked her up. Yeah, well, that's pretty terrifying. Yeah. After Paul was arrested for some of the crimes I'm going to go on to talk about, he told police that his intention was to murder Donna that night and had she been home, he would have done so. I listened to his, like, confession thing and they were like, what would you have done if Donna was home? And he was like, oh, I would have killed her, like, just straight up. Those confessions that you listen to and, like, the police interviews and stuff, it's always, what do they call it, like, the banality of evil? Yeah. Yeah, he's very much, like... Matter yeah, of fact, that's, that's what that's what I'm planning all on doing. Are. There's yeah. like, except for the ones where it's where there's mental health issues mm-hmm. involved and they're a bit zoned out or whatever. Mm-hmm. The ones that are completely of sound mind mm. and they're just describing the, the horrific crimes they've committed. Yeah, like I'll go on to talk about it a bit because there's video footage of him taking the cops to different places and it's just so – He's it's like he's just showing them like where he used to practice footy or something. He's like, yeah, it was just over there on that field there. And um, So Paul's first murder that we know of – but it is believed that this was his first murder at Trax, um, took place. And also he has been, once he 
was caught, he was very like matter of fact, just telling them what Seeing he did. Like a bird. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, I stalked this woman then, and I did this then, and so Paul's first murder that we know of took place in June of 1993. Eighteen-year-old Elizabeth Stevens had only moved from Tassie to Melbourne in January so that she could study at the TAFE there, um, and her intention was eventually to join the army. So she moved in with her aunt and uncle. And it's quite sad because she apparently had a bit of a rough upbringing. It sounds like she kind of, so she was um, in care, but she still had quite a lot of contact with her family and her friends have said that she didn't really, like she didn't dwell on having a bad upbringing or anything. Mm. doesn't sound like it was anything awful, but to be fair, if you're in care, then it's, you know, it's not ideal. But she's making the most of everything. Yeah, and, yeah, and trying to turn it all around. Yeah, her her friends and family said that she was, you know, she wanted to make a, a good life for herself, yeah. and and she also wanted to find somewhere that she belonged, and that's why her, her friends said, I think that's why she wanted to join the army because mm-hmm. she wanted to have that kind of like belonging feeling. Yeah. So at about 7 p.m. on the 11th of June 1993, Elizabeth got off at the bus stop nearest to the house she was staying at with her aunt and uncle. She began walking the short distance home when she was grabbed from behind by Paul. Paul pretended to be holding a gun, and although Elizabeth screamed for help, nobody heard her. Apparently, Paul told her to keep quiet or he'd shoot her, and then walked her down the street holding her hand so as not to draw too much attention. Apparently, there were some witnesses who saw them and assumed that they were a couple. Paul walked Elizabeth to Lloyd Park Reserve before saying to her, Do you want to fuck? I'm assuming she did not. So then he apparently said, well, I'm not going to rape you. And instead he strangled her. He slit her throat. He jumped on her face, breaking numerous bones. Um, She was already dead by this stage, but um, he continued stabbing and slashing the body. Um, He also did this weird like tic-tac-toe pattern on her, like on her torso before leaving the body to be found at around 5pm the following day by a man who was out collecting pine branches. A lot of the media coverage around this said that she was partially clothed and stuff like that, but she wasn't. Her top was pulled up, Mm. but there was no sexual element to it. Apparently there was no like evidence of sexual assault or anything. So odd that he would draw the line at rape. Yeah, I know. Mm. Yeah. He's, that's what he's got a weird, there's something weird going on with him and women. I bet, and this is not excusing anything, but I bet that he was bullied by mostly girls at school. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. There's something else very interesting, but I'm going to get to it later about him and women. Mm. So just a month later, 41 year old Rosa Toth was catching the train home. She got off at Seaford train station and began walking home. At about 5.50pm, she was walking past Seaford North Reserve when she noticed a man standing by the toilet block. He must have been acting a bit shifty because she was on edge, but obviously not enough to sort of, she probably just like noticed him. How scary to see a man standing alone in a field. Apparently he was near the toilet block. He was like, still, oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've experienced that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you you see a guy standing there and you're like, okay, now I've got to be on edge. Mm -hmm. I walk Clifford a lot at night, obviously, Mm -hmm. and he notices people before I do. Yeah. And so usually I'll have my headphones in, but I'll have them on ambient so I can hear things that, Mm -hmm. that are going on outside. And he'll, like, he'll say, there'll be someone like miles away and he'll be like, 
yeah. and you see he's like even some and some people his hackles raise up some mm. people they don't yeah so it's interesting it is interesting yeah. patchy boy i mean you know patchy he's like very placid with people he's, he is he's like chill yes um there is one time that i was walking him and a man walked past us and patchy went ape shit <laughs> And I was, I was a little bit embarrassed at first. Cause like, Oh, like what the fuck? Cause Patchy's yeah. never like that. Yeah. But once we got past the guy, I was like, like, good boy. Good boy. Yeah. yeah. Cause I was like, obviously there was something weird about him. To be fair though, Patchy has barked at children on bikes. He doesn't like cyclists. <laughs> I've told you this before. <laughs> All right. Keep going. Sorry. Okay. So, um, shortly after Rosa passed this man, she was attacked from behind and pulled back into the park. Paul used a similar tactic as he had with Elizabeth, threatening Rosa with a fake gun. But apparently she felt so when he, he actually put it up against her temple and she said it fe- it didn't feel like metal. So she became a bit suspicious that it might be fake. Okay. Um, so she sort of pretended to go along with him a bit. And she was fighting like hell as well. So she mm. was really fighting him. And then she sort of pretended to submit a bit yeah. and then managed to break free. And apparently she did this two or three times. It was like a long scuffle yeah. and ran back out into traffic, but then nobody would stop. And so she got pulled back oh. and then eventually she ran back out and a woman stopped and let her into the car. So basically Paul like then drifted off into yeah. the park Rosa was obviously completely like shaken up and freaking out. She'd lost her shoe and she said to the woman like, oh, like I got to get my shoe. And like, I think just like shock and, you know, not knowing what happened. The the woman was like, what happened? And she, that was the other thing. She had offered to give him her expensive ring and he was not interested. So she'd said to the woman, I don't know. I don't know if he wanted to rape me. I don't like, I don't know what this is just this crazy guy. And the woman actually offered to go and get the shoe for her. Mm. Rosa was like, no, no, I'll go get it. Just please don't drive off. Please Mm. wait for me. And she did. Uh, and then the woman drove her home and then they... Oh, I thought you were going to say he was waiting for her in the park. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, she, she got her shoe and... It's scary as like that, yeah. Sarah. And she got home and called the police. She had minor injuries but was okay. Okay, physically. I mean, she had like... She grazed knees. He'd pulled yeah. out a massive chunk of her hair. So on the same night, Oof. later that night, Paul attacked 22-year-old Deborah Freem. Now... Deborah had a newborn baby at home. Mm. This is the one I was talking about. Mm. Um, and she'd ha- she had a friend over for dinner and realized that she needed milk. So she'd basically, apparently there was a milk bar that was like literally walking distance from her house. Mm. And she'd been like, you stay here with bub. I'm going to pop out and grab milk. I'll be literally five minutes. So she took her car, Mm. even though it was walking distance because she like wanted to be quick. So she left her home at 7 p.m. And this friend because she had stuff cooking on the stove because she was cooking dinner after a little bit this friend realized she'd been gone a little while so he went and turned off the food on the stove and then by 8 p.m she hadn't returned and so the friend was like what the fuck um started calling her friends called her partner uh her partner's name was gary called gary at work and was like hey debbie went out she hasn't come back yet he ended up leaving work early. Some friends came. They started looking for her. She was reported missing not too long after that because obviously they were like, they called hospitals and stuff. There'd been no accidents or anything. So, yeah, she was reported missing. 
The police were immediately sus um, because of the murder of Elizabeth Stevens. They were basically like, this is not normal. So the fact that another woman had gone missing was alarming to them. But there was also suggestions in the media that she wasn't coping with motherhood and that she'd like disappeared on purpose mm-hmm. um but her partner and everyone close to her was like no she had she'd wanted to be a mum for ages she was loving being a mum apparently that night when the friend had been there she'd said like oh it's not as hard as people think <laughs> like so Are you she like was, bullshit um yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah everyone was like no that's mm-hmm. not what happened mm-hmm. i also imagine they would have gotten the report of the attack what attack of, of Rosa Toth, yes, mm. yes, they had. Mm. So again, they were like, mm. there was another woman that was attacked Might all that be night. Connected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not long after, her car was found on the side of the street. It wasn't far from her house, but it wasn't where she had would have driven. It had a large dent in the bonnet, suggesting she'd hit something. Forensics examined the car and concluded that she'd likely hit a brick wall. So they were able to take like some little fibers that were left in the dent mm. and said, yeah, it's, it's brick. So we think that she's hit like a, a, cause it was sort of like an indent like that. So mm-hmm. it's like the side of a brick wall. None of her belongings were in the car. There was no milk or groceries, but she had bought the milk and groceries that, okay. that was confirmed. And they also found that the driver's seat was pushed all the way back and completely reclined, not how Deborah would have had it set up. There was also small amounts of Debbie's blood found in the car. So obviously that ain't good. Yep. What had actually happened was that Debbie had parked up across the road from this small milk bar deli and ran across to grab some milk. While she was inside, unfortunately her car was unlocked and Paul climbed into the back seat of her car Ugh. and waited for her to return. What a nightmare. I know. She hopped back in the car. She was doing a Yui to kind of like get back out to where she was going when Paul again pulled out a fake gun and held it to her head. At this moment, this is when she crashed the car because yep. the, you know, what was going on. So she crashed into the side of the building um and that caused that dent in the front of her car it wasn't a major crash though so because she was you know she was just chucking a yui so yeah. it was just like a she was going speed, slow yeah. and he then made her drive to the location that he ended up murdering her in so four days later her body was found she'd gone through the same ordeal as the first victim Again, her clothing had been like pulled up and stuff, but there was no evidence of sexual assault. So like her skirt was pulled up, but her um, tights were still on and nothing. She had fluids or anything. No, she hadn't been sexually assaulted. And the cause of death is strangulation in both? With the first, with Elizabeth, I believe it was. But what, what they basically said was that he would use the strangulation to render them like... Unconscious and then Or like at least like get them under his control and then yeah stab i I think debbie had like a major slash to her throat that would have actually killed her but she had she had ligature marks too so very violent yeah really really violent he'd used um for debbie i think they said he'd use like two different types of knives he had the ligature with him um with elizabeth it was they think that he just used his hands so he's using like different things one of the knives with debbie they said was a very large knife based on the cuts and stab wounds so just like fucking horrible 
A criminal profile was created by Claude Menasini and he stated that the killer would have difficulty holding down a job, would be a local to the area and would be 18 to 24 years of age, all of which is completely accurate. Only a couple of weeks later, on the 30th of July, Paul attacked his third and final victim, Natalie Russell. Natalie was only 17 years old when Mm -hmm. this happened. She was still in high school. She was in year 12. She was finishing year 12. She was attacked while walking home from school. So she would have been in her school uniform, so he would have known how old she was. Yeah, okay. 100%. At 8 p.m., she was reported missing, and she was found on the same night. By this point in time, people in the area were very fearful, and people were, like, on edge anyway. So, and I've got to hand it to the police they put on like 200 extra detectives to the area they were like really on top of this investigation they were really trying to ease people's nerves and trying to like trying to catch the guy yeah Yeah. one of the detectives spoke on the thing and he basically said we would do like 16 hour days there were no days off Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. because if you had a day off that could be the day that somebody else gets killed so they were like really working around the clock uh yeah Natalie had been, she'd been dragged from the track that she usually walked home on. Basically, like, there was this little shortcut that went between, you know, like, near mum and dad's house, there's, like, that little shortcut that goes to mum and dad's. There's, like, that little track that goes next to the water area. Yeah, so there was a similar kind of thing where it's, like, there's the normal way you can go and then there's, like, a little track that's been made Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. a lot of the kids used to walk home from school on, apparently. So... What Paul had done was, because there was a fence, he had cut a big hole in the fence so that he could wait in the scrub area and then he jumped out and pulled her through the fence into the scrub area. He's got such scary methods. I know, I know. He's like, that's what I mean, it's like a horror movie. Yeah. So she was killed in the same fashion as Deborah and Elizabeth. She really put up a hell of a fight and... This ultimately helped to convict Paul Denyer as a lot of DNA was left behind at this crime scene, like his blood. Mm, um, mm. So she, yeah, like really, really fought him hard. And you remember Paul Denyer was like this big guy and she was like this little 17-year-old. So, yeah, there was blood found on the fence. There was a piece of Paul's skin found in one of her neck wounds. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, it was a, quite a fight. So... The police put out a plea to the community of Frankston asking if anyone had seen a man loitering in the area where Natalie was attacked and two young police officers actually came forward to the task force advising of an incident they'd been called out to the day Natalie went missing. So basically a postie was on her route when she noticed a car by the side of the road with no number plates and when she went past there was a guy sitting in the car and she said that he was kind of like trying to hide his face and when she went past he slouched down even further so that he was like <laughs> like pretty much underneath the steering wheel imagine imagine how did i bet on your bicycle riding past and seeing that guy do that yeah he'd well, be like okay you're just gonna pedal a little faster she was creeped out she yeah. was so creeped out that she went to the next house and actually knocked on the door and said, can I use your phone? Wow. And called the police. Yeah. So she called the police. And you're going to remember as well the, the sort of like climate of fear in this area uh, at of, that time. Yeah, okay, yeah. So she was like aware of all of that. But also like good on her because I totally. don't know if I – like I, would, I wouldn't I would want to over 
I, w- I wouldn't call. I'd note it. I'd yeah. make a mental note, mm. but I would not call. Yeah, she called straight away. I think she was actually scared for herself. Like, yeah. what the fuck is that guy doing? Yeah. So when police got there, the car was empty, but inside there was a registration form, and the task force found out that the car was registered to Paul Charles Denyer, and he became their prime suspect. Because of a car? He was right in the area at the time when this happened. He fit the profile. Yeah, right. I guess they've got nothing else to go on. Yeah. So, like, he's as good as anyone. A creepy guy with no number plates in the area at the time that Natalie went missing who fits the profile. Let's bring him in, boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Police went to Paul's house to ask him some questions. They found him to be calm, friendly, and cooperative. They got him to come down to the station. Again, like I've seen the tapes, he's very, like, chill. He's got an answer for everything. He's very believable because he also he had um, cuts all over his hands and fingers. (laughs) And they asked him about this and he was, like, so calm. Like, there's no, like, moment of, like, fuck. He's just like, oh, yeah, my car. So I had to – he was explaining what he was doing in his car and he's like, so I cut my hand when I was, like, moving the thing up. And, like, it's all very Mm. believable. At the same time, the police got a warrant to search his apartment. They found a pair of pliers that were the same type of pliers that would have been used to cut the fence. They were able to determine that. And at this time, they said to Paul, would you be willing to provide a blood sample? Once they asked him that, he pretty much knew that the jig was up because as soon as they got his blood, they were going to be able to match it to blood at the scene of Natalie's murder. And he confessed to everything. Yeah, this is I've, – I've written here, like I've watched the talk about the video of him confessing. He gives the police so much detail and there's zero effect. Like he's mm. just so like – Matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just nonchalantly describing what he did. Yeah. And when he's talking about – Debbie, because he he took her like he took her stuff, he took her wallet and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. He went and buried it somewhere, and so he takes them to show them where it was. And he's like, "Yeah, I can show you exactly where it is." And he takes them there, and he's like, like digging it up for them. And the cop said, like after he was like, he could have just showed it where it, showed us where it was. <laughs> like we would have dug it up, but he was like very much like, "No, no, I'll show you. It's like just right right here." And dug it up and pulled her wallet up and was like, "Yep, here it is." At trial, he was found sane, but he was diagnosed with sadistic personality disorder. Um, If you're wondering, that actually isn't listed in the DSM-5. So remember, this was like the 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, It was removed, and people now who display this kind of behavior would probably be diagnosed with either antisocial personality disorder or sexual sadism sadism disorder, Mm. which is interesting, again, because there's no 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 overt sexual element to what he's doing, but I definitely think there's something. There's something weird going on there, yeah. Yeah, he definitely is getting some kind of thrill from it. yeah. He was initially given three life sentences with no parole, which sounds fair to me. Yep. But was successful in his appeal to be eligible for parole after 30 years. That's 10 years for each yeah. woman's life if yeah. he was to be granted that. Yeah. So whoever the magistrate was that made that decision, that's what, how much value they put on these women's lives. Mm. So, yeah, he was up for release this year, 2023. In some excellent recent news, laws have recently been passed that mean that Paul Daniel will remain behind bars for life. The only situations in which he can apply for parole are if he is terminally ill or incapacitated. 
now these laws are like prisoner specific and they apply to apparently about 32 prisoners who would like possibly be able to be out on parole or whatever so they've put these new laws in place and i think this is something that happened this year yeah very recently was it in response to paul denyer to, to a prisoner i don't know if it was paul denyer but i think it was in response to a prisoner well a lot of the articles that i wrote about it they were talking about paul denyer specifically yeah yeah. Okay. yeah yeah they include people who have murdered children multiple murderers or people who have committed a sexual offense during a murder which it's great to see them actually start to acknowledge that that is like an extremely like it's a good predictor of further offending exactly yeah and like also incredibly serious like yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) so yeah these people will not be able to just casually apply for parole because before this what paul could have done so he was up for parole in 2023 he could have tried again in two years he could Mm -hmm. have tried again in two years yeah every two years all of the victims families families, would have had to go through this hell of him possibly getting out and at some point some fucking idiot would have let him so yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, I put this little bit about his brother. So his own brother left the country because of him because mm. he uh, apparently went up to his wife and was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> uh, so they left the country. He wants to come back and he said that he would fight to ensure his brother is never released. He fucking hates him. The So the other interesting thing I was going to tell you is that for a short period of time, Paul claimed to be transgender and wanted to be known as Paula. He has since gone back to being called Paul and gone back to being... Identifying as he, him. Identifying as he, him. Okay, yeah. So just another, like, interesting thing, given his, like, obviously very warped perception of women, the fact Mm. that he, for a short period, like... It's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's from a psychological point of view, there's something about him and women that Mm. is really, really messed up in his brain. Mm. Um, Not that that anyone who's transgender is messed up or anything like that, but there is something with him about women. No, it's the fact that he... It's him specific. And that he has said so adamantly that he, like, hated women, had this anger towards women, but then wanted to become a woman for a short time. Or felt like like he was a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... It's almost like he's like envious of women for being able to live as women when he himself maybe it feels like he is female and then like is maybe maybe, is maybe like so envious and 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 I wonder if that's why some of the targeting towards like mothers mothers and and I wonder if he maybe like well I guess in the 90s trans people weren't really like yeah, I'm not sure at what point in his because it was after he went to prison that he. No, I know, but I'm I'm like thinking if he had ever expressed any oh yeah that desire it to transition accepted. or anything like that yeah yeah but he he's gone back on it so he's not yeah he's not but I mean it doesn't mean that he doesn't still want to yeah yeah, yeah I don't know it's just it's strange mm. given yeah given his obvious hang-ups yeah. it's very weird it is weird so yeah that is paul charles Daniel, the frankston serial killer what a yucky yucky man mm-hmm. yeah he's disgusting so yeah whoever made that decision or whoever was part of implementing that decision kudos because ah, i have seen him before yes mm. yeah because clearly after what i've just described somebody like that should never ever ever be released from prison yeah they are never safe to be in the general community. So yeah, that is my awful one done for great. 
Yep. <laughs> um, I hope you're still with us. Yeah. Hope you didn't find that too depressing. Or at least you found it interesting. Yeah. And look, if you want to know more, go listen to uh, Case File. Case File. It's not just Case File because they do do an episode on it, but there's a whole series. Case File presents the Frankston murders. All right. So have at it, people. Mm. And keep engaging with us. Sarah loves it. And then she tells me and I enjoy it too. Mm -hmm. Continue that. And Mm -hmm. thanks for listening as always.